Welcome back, boys and girls. Another week, we, you, uh, you're here with us. I'm Eric. That's Jason. This is the South End Zone. And tonight, we are going over breakout players for 2023. Uh, if you're new to the show, we spent the majority of the spring talking to beat writers for various teams all around the country, everywhere from Florida to Utah to Arizona. Um kind of ran the whole gamut and got basically anyone we could on to talk about these teams. And we asked all of these beat writers one question, and that is who from, you know, whatever team you cover, whether it's Ohio state or Nebraska or Notre Dame, uh, who's going to come out of nowhere. Who's going to have the big season. Who's going to be the guy that people go, who the fuck is that guy? And we got. I'm sorry, 14. I don't. I'm sorry, I don't have that sound bite queued up right now. But I'll throw uh, it in on the. I'll, th- well, I'll throw it in on the podcast side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Jason, we have 14 names, and we've kind of gone through, and we've sort of, you know, unfortunately, not all 14 of these guys were superstars, but a couple. Boy, they were a handful. Um, they oh, they yeah. were some problems in here. So some very good calls. A uh, couple swings and misses. Before we get to that, we're going to catch everybody up on some of the news. Uh, two big things we haven't talked about the last couple episodes, coaching carousel. Uh, we did. dedicated like half an episode to that um, like three weeks ago, I think. <laughs> and I yeah. really haven't revisited it since. There's not been a whole lot going on in that realm. Um, one big one, uh, Willie Fritz goes from Tulane to Houston. So he's in, he's in the Big 12. And then... Tulane responds by hiring a guy I personally am a big fan of. Uh, he was my number one coaching candidate when I wrote the article for Belly Up Sports last month, John Sumrall from Troy, who is trying to uh, win a bowl game next week and get to a second straight 12-win season at Troy. Uh, he actually won't be there, but so he'll he'll finish up at Troy 23-4. and four Yeah, a couple seasons. of couple of notes there on those two Fritz. I think he's taken like his entire staff with him. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Tulane's got a, got a few coaches to hire in addition to Summerall. So it'll be interesting to see who Summerall brings with him and all that. But, you know, we, we initially talked about this. Uh, Summerall going to Tulane is like, is that a lateral move? And yep, then we dive, we, did. we dive, we dive deeper into it to find out that like, no, because <laughs> Tulane pays a lot more than Troy. Right. And that was mostly me. That was my initial reaction. It was like, man, you know, kind of group of five to group of five. And I, to me, I think the Sun Belt is a better conference top to bottom than the American. Oh so, yeah, uh, definitely. It, it didn't make sense. Like right away. It's like, man, it, cause he was a guy I thought might get some, some, maybe not power two, but kind of that in between two, right? Big 12 or uh, ACC. Um, I thought he was a guy maybe Mississippi State would look at, although I kind of expected them to pivot back more towards offense, which they did. Yeah, But um, I guess it's not that Tulane is not a good job, but I was thinking he might have a shot at something bigger. Yeah, I was going to say, no, Tulane, I think it's a pretty good situation. You're going to arguably a better roster, and a program with more resources in an easier conference. So, yeah. and as an added bonus, you're you're getting like a two million dollar a year pay raise. Yeah, yeah, that always helps. So, I don't know about you, but I would probably take an easier job for two million dollars more. Just a thought. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, uh, he was an assistant there, and I didn't realize that initially when we start, first started talking about it. So, there's some familiarity there. Um, I'm sure he's talked to a lot of those high schools in that area that he's going to be recruiting now, and that that footprint is maybe a little better. You're not competing with Alabama and Auburn and UAB yeah. uh, for all these these in-state recruits. So, well, not only that, you can. I mean, it's New Orleans. You can throw a rock and hit three five-star recruits on the right. Head. And it's it's less about the state in this case than it is about the city. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, especially you know when you compare it to Troy, Alabama. Uh, no disrespect, is, meant, but it's not it's not a hotbed of really anything. No, it's the middle of nowhere. So uh, good for him. I, I expect he'll do well. Year one, who knows? But I, I think if he is given time, he will he will get Tulane moving. And then the most recent one, a uh, higher I, I we haven't talked about this. I don't know how you feel. I like it for the coach and the school. I think it's a good fit. Uh, 
Duke goes and gets Penn State defensive coordinator and former Miami head coach Manny Diaz. Uh, I like it. How about you? I don't hate it. I, I think it was smart to transition from Elko to another defensive guy. You know, you don't necessarily think you'll have as much drop off on the defensive side of the ball if you pivot to the same sort of mindset, hard-nosed defense kind of guy. So I like that aspect of it. Realistically, for Duke, there again, I mean, Elko, what he did with him is impressive. I, I don't know that they're going to really take a giant step forward under Diaz. You know, I don't know if like Duke has sort of hit their ceiling as it were. I mean, am I, do, do you see where I'm going with that? Like it could very easily be their ceiling, right? Nine wins or, or whatever. I mean, they're right. They're playing with some slightly different rules than a lot of other schools in their conference as, as far as who they can take. Yeah. 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 I don't think it's a bad hire for sure. I mean, yeah. He, he didn't do just a god awful job at Miami or anything. I mean, he had. I, I think Miami's just a really, really tough he, place to win. Well, it's not that it's a tough place to win. I, I think it's it's one of those places similar to how how we view like A and M or Nebraska or Texas, where ridiculous expectations, where the expectations are, might yeah. not always be realistic. He never had a losing season, a, a losing regular season at Miami. No. Um, he just, and that was the, and that was what, the last time that you pointed out the other day, <laughs> that's the last time that Tyler Van Dyke looked any good at all. Yeah. It was under, it was under mean, Diaz. So. His, his last year. And, you know, I get it. They probably underachieved given their roster talent, but the guy is a good recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd like to think that between what went wrong at Miami and his two years at Penn state. He he learned some things, picked up some some things along the way, did some reflecting on hey, what should I have done differently? What would I do differently if I got another chance? Type of thing. I, Not sit on the ball against Virginia. That sure. That I mean, that step one. It's got to be ringing pretty strong. Yeah, and, and I think getting a guy like him, I think he can get the defense up to speed fast enough. Where there, I feel like if you if you had to choose between offense and defense, you as far as building up a side of the ball quickly, I think you would be respectable, you know, in terms of like rebuilding a roster. Cause I, you know, anytime there's a coaching change, your roster gets decimated with transfers. Yeah. But I think you can be respectable faster defensively and, you know, ugly up some games and win one that, you know, pull an upset here or an upset there. I think, you know, so like Levy, for example, um, you know, and the portal kind of changes this as well. But to me, that's a tougher job to not just because they're in the SEC West, but, you know, building back up with a focus on the offense to me, I think is a longer road than doing it on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I, I mean, I that, and know, that's man. not like a perfect across the board summary judgment. I just, when I see, teams hire a new coach it feels like the the defensive guys don't don't struggle as much record wise in year one even though they don't look great they they keep themselves in games and give themselves chance to win more yeah i think venables is a good example right at oklahoma like he goes whatever six and seven his first season mm-hmm. rosters just completely and utterly decimated yeah and comes out this year wins 10 games now in large part that's not necessarily due to their defense because their defense still is not very good but well their, their, their defense is it's better average. than it yeah it's average ish which is a massive <laughs> improvement from last season Correct. So, so, yeah, you see that kind of turnaround. You don't know. Your turnarounds on offense are largely dependent on who is playing. You know, the quarterback position like that. That's really like you got to have a couple of things in college to really have an offensive turnaround relatively quick. Uh, like Nebraska is a good example why they didn't turn it around offensively in year one. One turnovers. Two, they don't have a quarterback. And three, they don't have any athletes on the perimeter. Yeah. So, well, one, one and two, uh, to me, from having watched them for much of the year, are the same problem, right? The turnover problem stemmed with the quarterbacks. I actually was in a, a 
not a back and forth, but a discussion on Twitter today about uh, Kyle McCord, right? Potentially going to Nebraska. He is apparently in Nebraska right now, right? On a, on an official visit. And, you know, my thing was, if you're going to tell me, Hey, Kyle McCord's not great. He's just kind of mediocre. My argument would be if he was mediocre, uh, average quarterback play would have had Nebraska something close to eight and four this year. (laughs) No, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. They, they lost four games by a field goal. And in those four games, they threw 10 interceptions plus however many fumbles the quarterback had. Um, Like the, the one score losses have turned into just a turnover problem. Yeah. It's crazy. And so just like, just take care of the football and they probably have a much better season. Yeah. I mean, I think they would easily win seven games if they just didn't. Yeah. You know, same old Nebraska, I guess. But yeah, getting sidetracked, point being on Manny yeah. Diaz, I, I like the hire. Um, I, you know, I just, I don't know that I would categorize it as like a big step forward hire. You know, I think it's more of a let's try and maintain what we've built. Let's try and play some good defense, but ultimately for a school like Duke, it's going to just depend on who's taking the snaps. Yeah. And that will not be Riley Leonard. So he's got some work to do there as far as figuring out who that's going to be. So yeah, I, I, my guess is in Duke's case, I, I can see where they would have a pretty rough year one. Um, But I think if you give them a, a, like a full cycle off season cycle, right? Recruiting spring ball, everything. Um, I can see where 2025 is a pretty good season for Duke, uh, assuming the ACC is still a thing. We'll yeah, well, worry about that. The, the expectations for Duke should not be like win the ACC. The expectations should just be don't be an automatic out. You know, you, like right. don't be the team that gets your ass kicked every week. You know, you want to be a problem in the conference. That, that's basically the ceiling for Duke is just be a problem. Try to win eight or nine games. Yeah, I, like Manny went – 21 and 15 in three years at Miami. I think if he does that at Duke, they're, they're perfectly fine with that. Yeah, probably. Okay, so. go, go, cool. Go seven and five every year. Right. Yeah. Um, so moving on from coaches, let's uh, we'll dedicate a couple of minutes to the Heisman trophy. Predictably Jaden Daniels won. Indeed. Um, for some reason, there's a lot of people who, who took issue with that. I, I mean, if you want to tell me Michael Penix jr. Was, you know, had a better season or was more Heisman worthy. I would say that argument depends more on team success, which I don't think should be applicable to this award, but that's my opinion. I don't know how you, like, I know. I look at it like those people are just wrong. Like Penix had some bad games. True. I mean, he did get. And you can argue he wasn't healthy. And I, we don't know that. For a fact, we think he was banged up some, and that's why his play sort of dropped off. And then at the end of the season, they, you know, Bud Kilmer gave him the shot, and he yep. looks really good. So he looked but, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he did look good, didn't he? But he looked great in both Oregon games in between those two games. Yeah, not, but not as much. Like you look at Penix's numbers, okay, and you look at Jaden Daniels' numbers just in the passing realm now. Okay, Penix had two really good receivers to throw to, Adunze and Polk, which I've got more on Adunze in a minute. And uh, Daniels had two really good receivers to throw to, arguably three, between neighbors, Thomas, others, right? And so you take all those numbers and you look at them and you're like, all right, who played against tougher competition? Daniels, no question, okay? Also, you just – and shout out to – Late kick because he, I heard a, a clip of this, a short uh, either today or yesterday. I don't remember. He said, if you just take Jaden Daniels rushing numbers, the guy's like one of the top five running backs in the nation. And then you add all his passing stats to it. Yeah. I think he, he averaged like eight yards a carry. He ran for a thousand yards. Yeah. So the, the guy did the shit in the toughest league in, in football, man. So I just, I don't want to hear the argument of, and like, that's no slight to Michael Penix. We, <laughs> we, of all people, like we have eaten some crow on Michael Penix. Okay. Oh, yeah. We were, we were crushing him two years ago when he was in Indiana. <laughs> to this day, I'll never forget the tweet 
<laughs> at halftime of the Iowa game, Michael Penix threw his helmet, but it was intercepted, you know. <laughs> so from that to where he is now, finish number two, extremely impressive. You know, I, I really like the guy. I think he'll probably do okay in the NFL as long as he has some people to throw to. Mm-hmm. You know, that's in large part how quarterbacks fare these days is who they've got on their team. So a lot of people thought, like, for instance, Tua was a bust until he got Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyree Kill. Now look at him. He's shredding defenses. So if he goes to a team that's got some people to throw to, I think he'll be all right. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, just like any quarterback, he's, he's going to need a the right situation. But I think he's, you know, if he lands in a good situation, I think he's certainly talented enough and has what it takes to be successful. So. Yeah, agree. So congrats hope, to Jalen Daniels. Congrats to all yeah. three, the or four of the finalists. I guess they all had great years, obviously. But yeah, Marvin um, Harrison had a great year. Um, I think Jaden Daniels being there sort of kept Malik Neighbors out of it. You know, I mean, if might you look have. at Malik and Adunze as well. Both of those guys' numbers were better than Marvin Harrison's. So you kind of got to wonder. The only argument for Harrison that I would put out there is that he was doing it with less capable quarterback you know you've got to look at like if Jaden daniels or michael Penix was throwing to him what right. could he do so that's the only yeah, argument I, mean, I would make for harrison in that aspect but yeah and, and we know what marvin harrison jr can and can't do we've seen it for for three yeah. years now so uh he'll trust me that guy will be just fine yeah the most surprising thing to me was that uh Jalen milrow went from getting benched in after week two to finish in like sixth in the Heisman race. Yeah. Was, strong second half. Um, yeah. Pretty probably gonna, there. Probably going to go into 2024 as the betting favorite, or maybe depending on you know what you think about Quinn Ewers and whether he comes back. Um, yeah. There's a, I, I put that out on Twitter today. There's a large contingent of people who actually think he's going to be back and all the oh, like hurt early Heisman stuff you see is that he's going to be back. And I'm like, this guy would be a surefire first rounder if he went to the draft. No. I mean, am I crazy to think that? I, I think he will be back or I think it's entirely and maybe not likely, but I don't see, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he goes. I think if you look at it like this, if he comes out this year, is he the first quarterback taken or the first player taken? Absolutely not. Right. Well, what are the chances that he could be the first player taken or at least the first quarterback taken next year in the draft? Much, much better. I don't know, man. I think it largely depends on how they finish this year because if Texas goes and wins the national title and Ewers just shreds everybody, would you be just blown away if they took him first over Caleb Williams or second in the draft? Uh, I wouldn't be. I mean, the dude is huge. He has a rocket attached to his hip, and if he's out there shredding the best teams in America, then what else does he have left to prove, I guess? Oh, I don't know. Time will tell. Uh, I guess I lean that way because I don't expect them to win the national championship, but they're certainly capable of it. Um, Early early nugget there from from Eric Mulher. He's fading the horns, man. Fading (laughs) is a strong word. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about some breakout players. You already alluded to one. Yes. Um, and as I said earlier, we, we ended up with 14 names. So, and this is just we names we were given, right, by beat writers across the country throughout yep, the don't, don't come at us, listeners. This is just the list is subjective because it's who we were able to get on the show and talk to. So don't come at me, Georgia fans, that I don't mention your breakout player. Okay. So – I'm going to go through the first 10, All which right. at, now that I look at the list are nine from the beat writers and one from me, because this is the names that ended up in the article. Okay. All right. I got you. Yeah, so we the, can so the, chat about them as we, as we run down them. Here. Yep. So first one, uh, David waters from Gator breakdown gave us defensive lineman, Cameron Jackson, who was a transfer from, I believe Memphis, Memphis. Yeah. Uh, decent season. I mean, he played in 11 games of 32 tackles, two passes defended, David brought him up because kind of his thing was if, if Florida is going to improve, they need to be better at run defense. And this guy, if they're going to improve on, you know, against the run, this guy's going to be a big part of it. And they, I mean, they kind of did, they were okay against the run. They had, 
Yeah. Their they, defense they got, role was a problem. They got I was about to say they got bigger problems than just this dude. I mean, their yeah. defense was like historically bad uh, yeah. in in um, conference play. I think they gave up like 34 a game or something. It was bad. Yeah, so they averaged 155 rush yards allowed per game, which is not terrible. Oh, it's yeah. not very good either. It's no. um closer to pretty bad, than good, but Yeah, he, pretty pretty meh. Yeah, uh, it, uh, he was fine, and I believe he's coming back again next year. I think I believe I so. Yeah. Uh, next, and these are actually, I think, in my notes, broken up by conference. It looks like, but uh, next, Isaiah Bond, wide receiver, Alabama. Uh, Chase Goodbread, our friend of the pod from the Tuscaloosa News, actually gave us two names. Uh, he gave us both sides of the ball. We'll talk about the other guy in a couple of minutes, but the first one he gave us was Isaiah Bond, wide receiver, who had a pretty solid season, 44 catches, uh, 620 yards, four touchdowns. Um, yeah, really, really took off in the back half of the season. Yeah, and, and it when, wasn't... Sort of when Milrow started to get his shit together. Is right, and that's what I was going to say. Really you know, a As a wide receiver, the first half of the season in that offense and the way it was functioning... Correct. uphill battle to throw up some numbers uh had a yeah. strong season uh let's see next up josh mcquistian sooner scoop oh, it, josh it, my man us with gavin sawchuck running back from Indeed. oklahoma who kind of limited workload uh, he played in 11 games he didn't get a ton of carries he carried a ball 105 times so he's getting about 10 totes a game put up 610 yards 5.8 yard per carry average solid eight touchdowns solid caught 11 balls for 52 yards um he wasn't the main guy but he had a good yeah. season he was a guy who hadn't played up until the bowl game last year right because yeah. they had opt outs injury i think eric gray uh, was one. Well, depending on transfers, he's kind of got a chance to be the dude next year. Yeah, and I he? was I was going to say, I, he was a guy that I think I'm starting to think Josh might have been a year early because mm-hmm. based on their roster, I think going into next year where it's not just a one game sample size, right? Because uh, he just played in the bowl game against Florida State and he had a great game. He had 100 yards. Yeah, but I think next year he has a chance to be kind of the main focal point of the running game, and that probably yeah, problem for them is that their schedule gets much much tougher next year. Does get much much tougher, um, particularly run defense. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, you you would think that they're they're going to be focused on having a strong running game to back up a new quarterback because Dylan Gabriel is moving on, but uh, we'll see. Moving on to Oregon, by the way, for you listeners that uh, yep. haven't caught up with that news yet, Dylan Gabriel, now Oregon's quarterback. Uh, yeah, and the, just PSA for the listeners. PSA for the listeners. We're, we're not going to catalog every transfer in and out. We don't. We'd be on here for an hour every night. And if you want yeah. to know, there, there are, honestly, there's plenty of people out there that you can listen to or watch who are more in tune and and tied in with that than we are anyway. Uh, so just kind of setting some expectations. That's not going to be something we spend a ton of time on. Yeah. We'll, we'll update the the notable guys here sure. and there that are interesting. Like when Walter Nolan signs with a team, that will be yeah. a, a talking point because he's a freak of nature. And yeah. if he were to sign with Georgia or a Tennessee or an LSU, it's a big thing, you know, it may, it, he can transform a defensive line. So, yeah, that, those type of dudes will hit you up on, but don't ask me to talk about the backup quarterback from Oregon State who transferred to Michigan State. I don't care. Deal. Which, by the way, <laughs> side note while I'm thinking about that, do you see the tweet where Oregon State coach Jonathan Smith, he's now Michigan State, do you see where he dumped all of his gear at Goodwill? Yeah, I'm the one who sent you the link. Did oh okay that was you who sent me that. yeah all right I couldn't remember who sent me that but good God. well I mean and I kind of people want to make a big deal out of it I, like what do they it's expect so funny to people, like yeah. coaches get he's he's got hundreds oh, yeah. of articles of Oregon State gear are they expecting him to just throw it out yeah I mean it, what what's funny about I mean, it is like somebody's like man bro just. <laughs> <laughs> left us at goodwill there's a bunch of good memes out there about yeah it. but i'm funny. like 
the, the things people will get mad about, like and convince themselves this matters. Uh, just oh yeah. Oh, I've been going through it all day. I've been oh. I've been trolling FSU Twitter all day long. Yeah. And, uh, so lots of fun. We've gone through a couple guys had pretty good years. This brings us to our first swing and miss. Mm. Um, our only repeat guest, Brian Driscoll, Irish Breakdown, a oh. guy he was a guy he really kind of tuned us up on, and and I actually looked up this guy after we talked to him, Mayweather. Yeah, and I was like, man, there's a lot to like with this kid, right? They got a quarterback now. This could really. Um, Tobias Merriweather, physical freak. He's got all the tools for whatever reason. He has not put it together yet. 14 catches this year for 284 yards. I just don't get it. And and that's in 12 games, right? That's not like, oh, he was, you know, he missed time because he was suspended or hurt or whatever. Like he played, he was out in the field. That's what I just wonder about this kid. If he's like got his head on straight because he. He just seems to have all the athletic ability in the world and like be a difference maker when you throw in the ball, but he never gets yeah. the fucking ball. So right. I, 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 I mean, 20, 20 yards per catch. That's a, that <laughs> yeah. is a sturdy number, um, yeah. but he's just not catching enough balls. So 14 for 284, two touchdowns this year, and he is in the transfer portal. So we'll mm. see where he ends up and maybe someone, has a better luck kind of unlocking whatever's there because the kid's really, really talented and I'd, I'd like to see him succeed, but uh, maybe there's a chance where, you know, he's I'd just like in his own him. way. Yeah. I'd like to see him go to like Oregon or Washington, you know, maybe Texas, somebody that slings it around a lot. Um, My guess is based on the athletic profile, he will have options. Yeah. Um, But think. we'll see. I will be curious to see where he ends up and how that goes. Um, another swing and miss, and this really isn't a swing and miss is so much as bad fortune. Um, we had Greg Smith from inside Nebraska on part of the rivals network talking about the Huskers and name he gave us was Gabe Irvin jr. The running back who started as a true freshman in 2021 and got hurt. He got hurt in the third game of the season. So he was off to a good start. 38 carries, 196, so that's just over five yards a carry. Had a touchdown, Mm -hmm. caught a couple balls for 20 yards. And most importantly for Nebraska, he had not turned the ball over here. He had not fumbled. (laughs) I knew that was coming. I was going to ask the question, did he fumble it? No, No. he did not. So uh, One bright spot for Nebraska. Mm, Damn. So I, I expect he'll be back. I don't. I don't know offhand if there's any sort of transfer news regarding him, but you know, provided he can come back and play next year, I think there's a good chance. You know, Matt Rule is starting to, or he's at least trying to start to stockpile some talent there. And yeah, um, well, and he, with a lot of with a lot of rumors flying around about how much nil money may be flowing through there with yeah, uh, Dylan, nil money Dylan Rayola getting you know crystal ball yeah. to Nebraska and stuff like that. nil like, money's flowing yeah. through everywhere. Like they're no different. Yeah. I mean, they're playing the game. Yeah, well, um, they're serious about winning up there. I'll give them that. So. Yeah, and I remember that discussion when they first passed when it was all four of us, right? And they first passed those nil laws. Um. And I don't remember if it was, I think it was, it might've been Hunter thought that, well, it's only going to give the, you know, whatever recruiting advantage, the Alabama's and Ohio States of the world have already an even bigger advantage. And I I think we all kind of undersold, like there's, there's teams out there that maybe haven't had the success and recruited as high level, but they can, they can raise some money for this type of thing, right. From the fan bases, like an A&M or a Nebraska. Oh Yeah. Uh, so, well, you look at it like you, you Hunter's right partially, but what he's not right about is that that doesn't mean that these teams can't also raise a lot of money and get good players and go from being a five and seven to a consistent nine and three. You know, hello, Tennessee, right? Like, ex- right? Like yeah, the best example of that, like, oh, instead of being perpetually disappointed, we just need to spend a little money and we'll be good. Yeah. Like <laughs> shocking instant. Yep. Um, so Gabe Irvin, uh, rough year didn't end how he'd like, I think he'll be back next season. I would expect him to be good. Another guy I expected to be good 
based on increased workload from his time at Florida State, was running back Treshawn Ward. Uh, this is mm. my name. Yeah. Because he was a guy who was really, really good in with limited touches at Florida State. And with Deuce Vaughn moving on to the NFL, he transfers to Kansas State, and you're starting to think that he might be the guy. And instead of you know averaging five and a half or six yards a carry on eight carries a game or whatever, he can – put up a big, big year and yeah, his, his end of season stats looked a lot like Florida state, to be honest. Um, yeah. You know, seems to be like he's seems like he's more of just kind of a change of pace type of guy. I don't know. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah. Like situational, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, and it's not like he never played. I mean, he got 124 carries, right? So he's getting it 10 times a game. Yeah. Six hundred forty-three yards comes out just over five yards carry, five touchdowns, caught seventeen balls for one twenty-nine and another two scores. He had a good year, but mm-hmm. not quite kind of what I was expecting based on what. And he also, I mean, he split some carries with, uh, gosh, what's the kid's name, Giddens? Yeah, there. Um, you know, Kansas State is never going to have just one running back. No, <laughs> so. no. Now Deuce Vaughn was sort of a special case because he's uber talented, but right. when Kansas State has just a bunch of dudes, they're going to mix it up and throw it around. Of course, that could be a little different now with uh, Colin Klein off to be the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Should could be. be. Should be a little interesting there. I'll be excited to see what Texas A&M's offense looks like under him and who will be taking the snaps because I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think they do either. Because um, Connor Wigman's in the portal. So, yeah, my guess is as far as Kansas State goes, my guess is Clemen will hire someone who is going to run something similar to what they've been doing and, and kind of stick with that. I don't think he's going to yeah. shake it up too much. Um, yeah. Another guy who was in a crowded backfield and put up really good numbers, rate stat wise, but maybe not cumulative, was uh, Chip Trainum from Ohio State who really ended up being kind of the the third back in that stable. But he had uh, 85 carries for 373, so four and a half yards carry, three touchdowns, caught nine balls for 53 yards. He did have the game-winning touchdown against Notre Dame, but uh, yeah. far, far from the feature back. And he, I believe, is in the transfer portal as well for his last year. Yeah, and unfortunately for him, just in general, like – Obviously, he didn't carry the load with Trevion Henderson being there, but their offense just wasn't all that impressive in the running game all year. You know, they they just they I don't know they couldn't really once they ran up against the really good teams they couldn't they couldn't run the ball. So I don't know. Um, they, not to say that he can't do well if he goes somewhere. I would like to see him go up to a team where he can be a feature guy because I think he's good enough to do that. He's just sort of yeah. I think he's roster. just in. You know, if you're sharing a backfield, Travion Henderson, like you're not going to be the main guy. Sorry. No. Yeah. It's it's sort of a Jamison Williams situation when he was at Ohio State. Couldn't even crack the wide receiver depth chart. And he went to Bama and just blew up. So I would like to see Trainum do that wherever he goes. You know, we'll see. Uh, We had, well, actually, it wasn't we. It was me. Um, I had Cole Topham from Devil's Digest on. Oh, yeah. That was uh, you. Mayor June, he gave us two names. He gave us one on each side of the ball. Elijah Badger was another guy that, hey, I got put onto this guy by a beat writer, and I kind of looked some of his highlights. It's like, he's a good player. I think he could have a big year. Really talented. No. Very, he's still very, very talented, but Arizona State just had such – Oh, dude. Yeah. Their quarterback yeah. play was just so rough. Um, Atrocious. Atrocious. Like, I feel bad for that kid. I hope he transfers somewhere. I don't know if he's in the portal. Yeah. But he should transfer. Or they just get some help up front so that this Rashada kid they got a quarterback can be upright and throw the ball. Uh, He still managed 65 catches, 713, three touchdowns. He he had a solid year. He actually, in the context of the team he was on and the offense he was on, he had a very good year. I mean, he's their best offensive weapon. Like, no question to me. I, I don't know. So good year, not great, somewhat out of his control. And then on the defensive side, Shamari Simmons was a small school transfer that they were bringing in. No one really knew about him. Um, Cole was pretty high on what they could get from him on the backside of their defense, and he had a pretty good season. He had 73 tackles as a safety. He had an interception. He had six passes defended. He had two fumble recoveries. 
Um, Solid. Sort of the same thing as Elijah Badger. Like, yeah, he's a really good player. It's just really, you kind of miss that because he's on such a shitty unit. Like, there's one thing that was worse than Arizona State's offense this year. It was their defense. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Shamari Simmons. (laughs) Tip of the hat. He he had a really good year. You know, it's just one guy out of 11. Um, Guarantee you we're the only college football podcast that's not a just Arizona State podcast that's talking about that guy right now. Probably. Um, Nobody else is mentioning him. And he, I mean, he had a really good year. So, but not quite good enough to break our top three, which is actually a top four. Yeah. um, Which we'll get to in a minute. Now, there were some guys, as we said, this is just the names we were given by the beat writers. Yeah. There are a couple of guys that we think warrant recognition for their play this year that were not on our list at the beginning of the season. And (laughs) I'm going to get yours first. Like, what's your first one? There's a handful of them. Uh, The first guy that I'm going to throw out, because there ain't a soul who was talking about this kid before the season. And the reason for that is because he wasn't the starter. And that would be 5'10", 180-pound Noah Fafita. (laughs) Pac-12 freshman of the year. uh, Top freshman passer in the country. I think he threw for 73% completion. And if he closes out the bowl game, with better than 70% or like 68-ish, he'll be the top freshman passer or the top passer in school history with like uh, with regard to completion percentage. Yeah. Um, took him to a nine and three record. He went six and two as a starter and uh, threw for 2,500 yards in eight games. Nobody knew who the fuck that guy was and he just shredded Pac-12 freshman of the year. So, <laughs> and what, you know, we kind of started looking at them and riding them. You know, I know I took them late in the year a couple of times, maybe not on the podcast, but I know I bet on them a handful of times to start covering spreads. And they were, you know, they were, they were yeah, decent. I, I took them a couple, three times. Yeah. So Noah Fafita definitely needs to, you know, pack 12 freshman of the year. When, like I say, coming off the bench, Jaden Delara goes down, he comes in and just takes off with it. And he's tiny, five ten, tiny little dude. Small uh, man couple of running backs here that I wanted to highlight. Uh, the first being Ollie Gordon, the Doak, Doak Walker award winner. Yep. Wasn't also wasn't the starter when the season started. <laughs> Ends up rushing for 16-14. Wins the Doak Walker, scores a shit ton of touchdowns. Gundy, you know, I, I don't know. That was one of those where we looked at it at the beginning of the season. We were like, this guy's not even carrying the ball. Who the, and, oh, He comes out of nowhere and starts rushing for 200, 300 yards a game. We're like, what yeah. the fuck? Where, yeah. What where, was, where were you like, when you were getting your ass kicked by 33 to seven by South Alabama? Where was right, this? Yeah. Guy? Like where was this? He had, I think like 20 carries the first three or four games. Yeah. It was like, weird. Well, the whole, yeah. Like you said. Yeah. Gun. So indeed uh, another running back that I wanted to highlight that just, once again, North Carolina keeps churning out these backs that rush for a shit ton of yards. And uh, Amari on Hampton, 1,440 yep. yards rushing, just <laughs> ran all over everyone this year. So, 12 games rushed for 1,400 yards. Not bad. So, I wanted to highlight him. And then I got three more, two QBs, and a defensive player. Okay. Well, then, um, depending on who that is. I may it's only definitely have not. It's definitely not the defensive player you're thinking of. I'm not thinking. Of defense, I'm thinking of a, another offensive player. But go ahead. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, well, I wanted to take a moment to send my thank yous. My bank account would like to thank um, Jordan McLeod and Caden Salter yep. from JMU and Liberty. Who? Uh, let's see. McLeod had 3,800 yards total and 40 touchdowns. <laughs> Just went off. Never started the before this year. And uh, Caden Salter, same thing. 3,800 yards, 43 TDs, rushed for 1,000 yards. You know, so just both of them went off. They both had really, really good seasons. James Madison goes 11-1. and one, Liberty goes 13-0. and 0. And then the last guy that I wanted to throw out there, the only reason that I threw this guy out is because I actually watched, I watched a game where this guy was playing. And I'm almost positive it was against Liberty, but I could be wrong. I think it was against Liberty. But 
Trevor Williams from Sam Houston State. This dude was all over the field all season for Sam Houston State. 135 tackles, 85 of those solo. <laughs> 85 solo tackles, 135 total. Not a big pass rusher because he you know, plays linebacker. Right. But Awful. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a like middle linebacker type of dude. Big, big beastly dude. It's just a freak. So again, uh, Trevor Williams, Sam Houston State. Shout out to you, sir. 135 tackles. Fucking spectacular. And I watched a game in which he was there. And man, yeah, I was just like, this guy is in on every single play. He was their right. best player on the field. It was pretty awesome. Hmm. So I wanted to uh, say, who the fuck is that guy? Because th- right. that's exactly what I said when I was watching the game. I was like, Jesus Christ, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> He's all over the field, man. Yeah. He, he looks like he could play for an SEC team. So. That's all mm. my guys. Uh, again, okay. Marion Hampton, Ollie Gordon, Jordan McLeod, Caden Salter, Trevor Williams, and Noah Fafita were my honorable mention for who the fuck is that guy. Okay, so my three names were Fafita and Ollie Gordon. And then the third guy was another running back. And this guy's from Missouri. Oh, yeah. And he is a uh, Cody Schrader Division II transfer walk on, won the Burlesworth the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, and led the SEC in rushing. Uh, I don't even know how many offhand, think, how many yards he had. I think it he had was, like 1,600 or something. Yeah, it was, he, he was near the 15. He had a lot of receiving yards, scored a bunch of touchdowns. M- Missouri, I never thought I'd say this sentence out loud. Missouri's a top 10 team. Um, and like, my surprise you when they beat Ohio State here in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, so. Really, really, really good year for him. Um, I didn't Wasn't he like he the Division Two leading rusher like all time? I don't know about all time. He might have had like a, a single season record or something. I know he is very, gonna, very good in Division Two. Yeah, I'm going to look that up because if I'm not mistaken, like this dude had – I'm surprised that like we didn't know more about him because he – I mean, his just – his division two stats were ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. He's got 5,313 yards in his career. He rushed for 3000 yards at division two Truman before joining Mizzou ranks fourth among active players in the college with 5,313 yards. Hmm. Yeah. He's rushed for a lot of yards. Yeah. 2000 yards in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody, had even, I mean, now he had a pretty good season last year. I think he had like eight or nine hundred yards rushing. So it wasn't a complete unknown. Like we knew that he was going to be the starter going into the season. We had heard of him and that kind of thing. But for him to be as good as he was, it wasn't necessarily an indictment on Schrader for me. It was more I didn't think Mizzou or their lines of scrimmage were going to be very good. So I thought mm-hmm. it would be kind of more of the same from them. Right. But given they were a lot better. Yeah. Really, really helped him out. So 10 win season. Never saw it coming. <laughs> nope. All right. So our, our, our four finalists crammed into three spots are, uh, and first we're going to go with two edge rushers and they are, they are T3 and circling back to Mr. Goodbread, Chris Braswell, oh, yeah. Alabama, 41 tackles. Ten and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, had three forced fumbles and an interception. Uh, Chase mentioned, like, hey, if we're, you know, if they're expecting Dallas Turner to just be the guy who replaces Will Anderson's production on the defensive side of the ball, that's not going to happen. They need Chris Braswell to be kind of what Dallas Turner was when Will Anderson was there, right? And yeah, sort of uh, replace that production and all that disruption. sort of in the aggregate and Chris Bradwell was excellent. And the reason he is T three with Patrick Payton of Florida state is because their numbers are eerily similar. Uh, Patrick Payton had 42 tackles to Braswell's 41, 13 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks forced to fumble. This, this number blew me away. He had 10 passes defended. So he bagged down 10 balls at the line of scrimmage this season. That is a number you don't see often. Now he 
tweeted that he was going in the portal and then deleted it and hasn't had said anything since. So I don't know what's going on there. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, losing him would be rough because Jared Verse is off to the NFL and as is uh, Fisk. Yeah. So he was going to be the guy in a, their continuity up front on defense, but he was excellent. Both of those guys were excellent this year. Yeah. Norvell's got some work to do. This he will. Yep. But, but if there's a guy who looking, can do it. I was going to say, but uh, based on the last couple of years and his uh, record in the transfer portal, he's hit a couple of grand slams. So Yeah, it's starting to feel like if he just decides he wants a guy, he's going to be able to get him in the portal, yeah. right? He's like built that track record. Like, Hey, if you come here, you're going to go, you know, be Jermaine Johnson or Jared verse or Keon Coleman or whatever. Right. Well, it's, that's one note that I didn't touch on in the Heisman talk that I meant to touch on is that like five of the last seven Heisman winners are transfers mm-hmm. all in year two, other than Caleb Williams, obviously right in year two of their, of their transfer, you know, Joe Burrow, transfers next year he wins it. right so you see a lot of that quarterback success in year two of a transfer but defensively speaking it can you can see it take off right away like alabama had yeah. a couple of, like just speaking because i watch all the alabama games like alabama had a couple of secondary guys that stepped in like in the georgia game we talked mm-hmm. about that when mckinstry went down and um and alabama has a transfer step in and he just plays excellent so comes out of the Sun Belt. So Norvell does have some work to do, but even if he loses all those guys, they're recruiting really well and he's good in mm-hmm. the transfer portal. So combined with the yeah, fact I think that he'll be able to restock. And I think yeah. one thing we haven't talked enough about with him specifically in the portal, not to get off track, is he's done a really good job of not getting the one year guys, of getting guys with multiple years of eligibility, like you're yeah. talking about. Um yeah. so we'll see what he's able to do. Those guys were edged out um, by our top two. Interestingly, uh, one is from LSU and one is from Notre Dame. And the two guests we had on from those schools have not been getting along the last couple of days. I don't know if you followed their drama. Oh yeah, I tweeted about it. Yeah, so I, I threw I threw something on uh, <laughs> on Preston's tweet. I was like, "Geez," I, I took a page out of Timmy's book. I was like, "Geez, man, need to let some light in here with all this shade being yeah. thrown around." Damn, yeah. man, like. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. I was like, good God. So I don't remember if which one was first, but they, they were, I know they were in back-to-back weeks. And I know we mentioned something to Brian Driscoll that. Uh, we did Preston's first and then okay, we had Driscoll on. That either yeah. we had Preston on or he was on yeah. next. And he, he made a comment about they've had, they, one of them went on the other show and they had some disagreement having to do yeah. with Brian Kelly. I don't remember yeah. the specifics, but. Um, but those are the two beat writers that, that provided names for our finalists. Preston gave us Malik neighbors who was an absolute monster this year. Yeah. So 86, kind of a cheat kind of because he we'll was already that. all yeah. SEC. Yeah. He was already all SEC as a freshman. So 86 catches, 1546 yards, 14 touchdowns. That's his best the receiver reason, in football this year. He, he probably was, um, so the reason that he finished number two for our listeners, because you're going to think, man, how's, how do you top that? And I'm not going to say it's cheating, but he wasn't really an unknown. Like I knew who Malik no. Neighbors was. Yeah. Right. He had, everybody. He had, he had 70 catches and a thousand yards the previous season. So Any, uh, anybody that followed the sport relative follows the sport relatively closely with regard to SEC football knew who he was. Is SEC right. freshman All-American, you know? I mean, so now in fairness, you know, I don't know a whole lot of people who are saying, hey, this neighbor's kid's going to have 1,500 yards receiving this year, right? So he certainly exceeded what anyone thought, but he wasn't quite as much of an unknown as our winner. Indeed. Our 2023 Connor McGregor, who the fuck is that guy, award winner is Notre Dame safety Xavier Watts. Beast mode. Um, so... We, I don't didn't really clown on him, but we mentioned that Brian Driscoll swung and missed pretty hard on Tobias Merriweather's season. Uh, yeah. Knocked Xavier Watts out of the park. Yeah. Then he goes and threw a car like window. Yes. Yep. 
so <laughs> totally redeems himself. Uh, Xavier Watts, season statistics, 47 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, forced fumble, a fumble return, touchdown, seven interceptions, <clears throat> and one Nagurski award. So, yeah, and then you you go and you look at like Notre Dame's schedule and who they play. Yeah, like their their schedule is not easy. Okay, like they go and they play tough teams, man. They play Ohio State, they play USC, they play uh, Clemson. They go and they'll they'll play anybody. They don't. Yeah, they shit. played they played and, Louisville. Louisville won ten yeah. games. Um, yeah, there you go. So they they their schedule is legit most years, and the fact so, that he goes out and picks off seven balls, extremely impressive. Yeah, he, and. I had no fucking idea who that guy was before the season. No, and that's that's why he gets the edge uh, for our listeners who's like, well, you know, a safety over a receiver who had the kind of year neighbors has. Xavier Watts started four games last year. Yeah. Right. Malik yeah. Neighbors Malik Neighbors had a thousand yards receiving. Uh, so that's really kind of what puts him over the edge. What where he started from coming into the year was a way different starting point than yeah, now he's one of the finisher. yeah, now he's one of the premier defensive backs in college and he's probably going to be a first or second round draft pick when he decides yeah. to come out. So, and he's I mean, he's a converted receiver. Um, <laughs> yeah. and he he started four games last year when someone got hurt. Now, wins the Nagurski trophy, he's an all-American, uh puts up some just really really impressive numbers against a strong schedule. So, he is he joins Bailey Zappi and Jalen <laughs> Hyatt as our who the fuck are those guys Fucking award Bailey winners. Zappy. Bailey Zappi. Still nobody yeah. knows who that guy is until like what are two you weeks talking ago. About? He's starting for the Patriots. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Nobody knew who he was until he became the starting quarterback for oh. the Patriots. Yeah, I don't know about all that. <laughs> oh man. So good. So that is man. our uh our breakout players for 2023. Man, so Bailey Zappi, Jalen yep. Hyatt, and now Xavier Watts. Xavier Watts. Yep. So we're gonna take some masking tape and and we're not going to engrave anything. We're just going to throw some masking tape on the trophy and then sharpie it on right? Xavier. <laughs> yeah. Watch. yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to send him something. I don't know, but uh, yeah. And for the listeners, we will be doing our award show this year yep. again. And good news. Timmy, our former co-host is going to host it for us. Yep, He's going to be emceeing again. Yep, he'll be he'll be back for an episode to help us out and host for us. So, be a lot of competition there, a lot of yep. laughs, a lot of heated fun. So, so get your get your best tuxedo t shirts out for that. And tentatively we'll scheduled for next week, I believe. Uh, I think we're yeah we were gonna do the week of the eighteenth, maybe. Yeah, might be I, like the week of Christmas. I don't know. So okay, I would prefer to do it next week. We just need to get the uh, the topics from him. Yeah, we'll we'll get the ha- we'll get the date hammered down and get all that. And uh, so we're, we're yeah, expecting we to be- do that next week. Now, before we close out, um, since I didn't have any notes, we talked about this before we came on, but I forgot because we got into all this other stuff. I want to circle back to coaching carousel. Sure. One move that we did not talk about on the front end that we wanted to was uh. Lincoln oh, Riley, USC, yeah. Lincoln Riley, in addition to poaching UCLA's defensive coordinator, hired a new linebackers coach. So weird. And if anyone who doesn't know who I'm talking about, hired North Dakota State's head coach to coach the linebackers. Uh, and I don't remember if it's Matt Entz or Matt Ertz, but uh, pretty sure it's Entz. It's a guy who went like sixty. Know what- it's a guy who went like sixty and ten. While he was at North Dakota State, I mean, yeah. It's, I, so it's it's Matt Entz. Um, he's been at North Dakota State for five years. He is sixty and ten with two national titles. Yeah. And what the hell? So if any, <laughs> because, if any, if any know. viewers or listeners are thinking, okay, yeah, it's FCS coach, like, what do you expect? I Chris, do I need Chris, to remind you that the last three. North Dakota State head coaches got head coaching jobs at the FBS level. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's so weird to me, right? So Kleiman goes to Kansas State. Before him, Craig Bowl uh, goes to Wyoming. So I just don't get it. Um, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. I mean, maybe there could be, uh, like, I would like to read more into it because on the surface, you think, fuck, what a great hire for USC, man. Like, 
you get a guy with head coaching experience and national championships to come coach your linebackers. Like, I didn't know how old the guy is. Maybe he just wanted to change. Maybe he wanted to move back to California. I don't know where he's from. I don't know anything about him other than he wins a lot. And so, right. I, I don't know. It's a weird hire, but you can't get any worse than what you had. So I would like to think that with his experience, you should be able to maybe coach up your defense a little better. So, yeah, I mean, the, the guy just turned 51. He's from Iowa. Uh, he, he'd been an assistant at a couple of smaller schools in Iowa, right? Northern Iowa. Uh, he was at Western Illinois. He was defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at North Dakota State for five seasons. Then he got the head job and he's, he's gone 60 and 10. Based on the track record of head coaches at the school making that jump, going not even a coordinator position, but going to a position coach. Maybe those winners in uh, North Dakota are just too hard, man. He wants to move to that sunny Southern California weather or something. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, there's a thousand reasons he could think that that's a better job than the one he's got. I guess, I mean, that's obviously that's up to him. I just probably pays about the same. The, the track record. Uh, of North Dakota State head coaches does not match up with position coach. Well, I, bet so I, I don't know. I know one thing. I bet he's going to show up to practice and be like, what the fuck is going on? You guys don't even practice tackling? Right. What the hell? <laughs> I, so I, I would expect, um, you know, it's, it's funny because Maybe USC just figured out, fuck, we're going to the Big Ten. We got to learn how to tackle somebody. Shit. Yeah. So so last year, right, 2022, North Dakota State goes 12-3. and three. They make it all the way to the championship game. Yeah. And they lose to South Dakota State. Go Jacks. Jack. <laughs> um, the Jackrabbits. But, but North Dakota State's defensive coordinator gets hired to be the defensive coordinator at Northwestern, a Big Ten school. Oh, yeah, and ends up being the head coach. And then ends up interim head coach and then head coach. They win, I think, seven games or six games. So his defensive coordinator last year is a head coach, and he's a position coach in the Big Ten next season. Like, it's just everything about it, like no matter what angle I look at it from, it just seems backwards, and I don't get it. So it's strange. Good for USC, I say. but Yeah, I I mean, good for them. Between between DeAnthony Lynn and him, I think there's going to be some some philosophical changes about how USC plays defense, which they badly need uh, going. There may the be some, turn. yeah. There may be some philosophical changes between them and the head coach. There could know. be, you know. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know. I don't have any vested interest in Link, you know whether Lincoln Riley succeeds, but if he's smart, uh, he's going to be open to you know, whatever ideas they bring to the table, and he's going to listen to them. And well, kind of give them not necessarily free reign, but like, hey, you know, I'm not, this is your barbecue. I'm not telling you how to cook. I just want to be able to eat it. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, we, if, uh, if they don't make some significant steps forward next year, then we're going to be talking about Lincoln Riley in the coaching carousel next year because Good. $11 million for seven and five ain't going to cut it. Like they'll, they'll get rid of his ass. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, Connor McGregor, who the fuck is that guy award? Yep. Xavier Watts, 2023. So yep. So I, I will uh I will let Driscoll know tonight that he's got to come back have, on. Yep. He's got we, roped we in. mentioned that. Yeah, we mentioned that to him when he was on uh previewing the Ohio State game. Yeah, and we've still got to get um McQuistian back on too, so he can come in and spike on Texas. He he did True. He, he did make that point that like if I if Texas, if we beat them, I'll come in. I'll come back in and say I was right and spike. Yeah, so. he's probably anxious to to come back in and spike that they have a mediocre defense now because I kind of you did poo poo all over them. I maybe went a little overboard in describing <laughs> how terrible they were. Um, <laughs> a little. All right. Fair it could have been worse. I had an anthropology uh, oh, yeah. rant all like teed up. I was like, no, nah, it's going to take too long. Uh, we'll just get into it. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, so, so we'll be back next week. I think we're doing the award show and maybe a special segment um, celebrating a certain time of year, TBD. Oh, but, yes. Uh, Cannot wait. 
look for that next week uh monday tuesday wednesday who knows it'll depend on stuff that we have no visibility on right this second but other than that thanks for being here with us tonight thanks for listening on pod everybody take care of yourselves and each other and we will talk to you later thank you very much have a great day